And we are live, uh, ladies and gentlemen, for a new episode of the Electric Podcast. I am Fred Lambert, your host. And as usual, I'm joined by Seth Winchow. How are you doing this week, Seth? I'm good. All right. Uh, this week's episode of the Electric Podcast is brought to you by Tess Camp, a manufacturer of coolers and mattresses for your Model Y. Uh, we're going to have a little bit more to say about them later on the show, but you have a link in the uh, uh, show notes and the articles that comes with the episode if you want to check them out. All right, let's jump in. We have plenty to talk about this week, and we're going to start out with um, some data coming out of uh, S&P Globals about the first half of the years in terms of EV sales in the U.S. So this this is always a little bit interesting because, as we've been saying for a while, Tesla basically is the U.S. market in terms of like volumes. Uh, it has changed a little bit over the years. For the longest time, it had like 80 plus percent of the market. It has gone down to in the 60 percent range now, but it's still the majority of the EV market. And since Tesla doesn't break down its sales uh, per uh, region, we don't actually have the exact number. But uh, S&P Globals uh, produced uh, an estimate that should be fairly accurate. Like I, I, I looked it up and it, it looks like it makes sense. And here's the thing. So it produced these two charts, two charts that visualize just how much of a lead Tesla still has on the market. Because what you're looking at right now is the first six months of the year, six months of 2023, over a decade into this uh, EV revolution, this this like renaissance of electric vehicles. Obviously, electric vehicles had their moments several times in the history of the auto industry, but there's this latest one where it's the takeover, let's call it. Uh, we're 10 years into it right now, and this is still the U.S. market right now with Tesla in the first half of the years, the year, even if it's off by 20%, because again, it's an estimate, Tesla is outselling the next 19 competitors put together. Isn't that crazy? I mean, it's it's basically every competitor, right? It's like everybody else. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, if they own sixty percent of the market, in the US. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they own sixty percent of the market or more, so that they, they make more. That the rest of the market makes forty percent. They make sixty percent. Yeah, it's just when you say nineteen, it sounds like a lot. Uh, a few things that were interesting to note, like Rivian is now top five. That's cool. Which, as a startup within just deliveries within only the last few years, it's already in the top five uh, again for for six months of of the year. Um, so that's kind of a, a, like a kick in the nuts for the for, for the automakers, really. Like the like a Rivian like that can just come out of nowhere with a few billion dollars. Like it, it was very well funded. Let's admit it, though, Rivian. Like, they yep. did an excellent job in fundraising, so it's they, they came out as a big player pretty quickly. But still, it's not it's not a hundred year old Ford. It's not a however old like Chevy is, and and, and all those, uh, or a powerhouse of the, the the Japanese like Toyota and 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 uh, the Koreans like that been doing cars and doing them well for a long time. They just came and like already grabbed a top five. And then obviously you still have Tesla at the top that is untouchable, literally, in terms of volumes. Uh, we have the same thing if you can do the breakdown with the models and it still looks like crazy with Tesla in green here. Um, obviously, Model Y took over everything. Model 3 still a very uh, good performance in terms of volume. Destroys everything else that doesn't have Tesla in its name. And... Um, 
and probably will start doing better next year with the the, the Highland. Once the Highland is uh, ramped up, it's the yeah. Mold a lot of people are waiting for that one. Yeah, obviously, I think the Mole Y will still stay on top just because of the segment, the crossover segment is yeah. just so so powerful. Uh, Even though I would say the Model Y has way more com- competition than the Model Three. Good point. Like, yeah. I mean, how many sedans are there out there? Just a few, but like every everybody, like the rest of those vehicles are all kind of SUV ish. Mm-hmm. You have uh, Mall S and X that are a little bit uh, further down the, the road there. Though I think Mall X will do a lot better in the second half of the year in the US with the new price point that it just mm-hmm. achieved and that gives it the tax credit for the base model. That's. That's always a big game changer. People just don't want to leave that money on the table, and now they're gonna they're gonna go for it. But yeah, it's just <laughs> it looks it looks pretty bad for everybody else. Now, looking at the bright side a little bit, we know that there is some more appealing, more mass market, and hopefully, though we we've taught that before, it hasn't been the case. Higher volume EVs coming from these other manufacturers. Uh, GM is one that we're pretty hyped about uh, with with the Equinox EV and uh, uh, the Blazer, maybe a little less so high volume, but in the Silverado, though again, Silverado is like, is, what kind of volume is it going to be available at, and how quickly? I don't, I don't think that next year you see a hundred thousand Silverado electric. Do you think? Am I being uh, no too way. pessimistic? Yeah, no way. No, again. no way. We're on the same page on that. So it's, it's similar to what happened with the Lightning. Lightning hasn't like taken over and everything. It's been doing okay. Obviously, they had the, the, the recall and all that. It was, like a lot of these vehicle programs have some issues at first. Now GM coming a little bit later with that, maybe they're going to have a little bit smoother RAM, but there's there's no one that has delivered in a high volume, like in truly high volume electric vehicle in the US other than Tesla. It's just, it's, that's just the truth. So on, until legacy automakers can prove they can do that, they, they can't. <laughs> It's interesting that the Rivian R1S is the only Rivian on there. I don't see the R1T. It's the first six months of the year to June. I think the, R, uh, uh, the R1S, you're right. The, case the R1T, I would think, would have been there too because the ramp up earlier this year, the first half of the year, I even think the R1T would be a little bit more popular. The R1S yeah. was, ramp up was a little bit later. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, and then obviously the Chevy Bolt's going away. So like the next biggest vehicles are the id4 and the model uh the mustang maki both of those seem like they're doing okay but like not flying off the shelves yeah not not super high volume either and and they were like the first like fully um built ev ground up for for these two automakers and i I mean a lot of it's at the dealership like are they supplying the dealers with enough inventory are the dealers trained do they like i mean it's it's a, it's it's going to be a slog a little bit for these guys. Yeah, the, there is an argument to be made that the dealership model is um, one of the main thing holding them back. Obviously, if they're not making them, they're not making them. But right. um, the dealer model is also uh, like the they are the middlemen between the customers and the automakers. And if both if they are not like pushing for it, or if they're not giving the automakers feedback, like hey, people are asking for this, then. The, 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 it can slow everything down, literally. All right, sticking with Tesla and deliveries, uh, we have some delivery expectation because uh, on the next podcast, we're going to most likely be talking about uh, Tesla's delivery numbers for Q3 because uh, they are expected, uh, we're the 29th today, uh, yeah, early next week, probably. 
um, an expectation or kind of all over the place with this quarter because there was the warning that production is going to be down because the factory shutdowns. We have seen those factory shutdowns, a relatively short one in um, Shanghai. And in Texas, it's been a, a weirder one. Like uh, parts of the factories have been at least slowed down or shut down for about a month uh, and at least a full week, a complete shutdown. So Obviously, Texas is not the biggest producers of Tesla. It's actually the, the smallest producer uh, factory, producing factories for Tesla. But still, it's going to have an impact. And uh, so just, just uh, as a reminder, so Tesla has been consistently delivering um, record-breaking uh, deliveries every quarter for the last two or three years, basically. And um, last quarter was another record with... Uh, 479,000 vehicles produced, 466,000 delivered. So 466,000 is the the record to beat. Now, with what uh, Elon warns during the last earning cars, earning calls, most people think that Tesla is just not gonna uh, beat that record. So we're expecting something below. But like I said, the estimates are still all over the place. With Bird saying 493,000 deliveries, so a giant beat over last quarter. I think we can forget about that, but maybe, maybe not. Uh, then at the lower hand, you have uh, Dutch Bank saying 440,000 units. Uh, and then you have RBC Capital, another big Wall Street firm, saying 462,000 units, which is actually the overall consensus of all the Wall Street together. Uh, it's right on, on that. So uh, Wall Street is expecting only a slight uh, decrease in deliveries in Q3 of about 4,000 units less than the last quarter, which again was a record. So it's still going to be a big record for Q3 uh, versus like Q3 of last year, which was in itself a record. And then you have Troy Tesla-like, uh, sorry, uh, Tesla-like uh, on X is a, is a pretty big following for his uh, quarterly estimates, which are I think always within a five or ten percent range, if I'm not mistaken. Other than some, maybe a few outliers quarters that didn't go well. Um, but yeah, he's, he's at four hundred forty-two, so he's much lower range than than everything else. And I and he's what, typically optimistic too. So uh, I don't know about that. No. He's, he's always pretty close. I don't know if exactly optimistic, but I, I I think for this one, I think he's probably closer to the truth. Like I, I think I think Wall Street is kind of setting up. Setting up Tesla for for uh, like disappointing with uh, with four hundred sixty two thousand deliveries, especially with Elon warning that oh it might be a back quarter. Normally, when that happens, it's like e, uh, you you should you should check your numbers again. So yeah, in the four hundred forty two thousand dollar thousand units range, I'm uh, I'm uh, I, I think it makes more sense. All right. Going back to what ha- what's happening with the legacy automakers, so there's the UAW strike going on right now. It's been uh, two weeks now that's been ongoing. It's not a full strike. Like for some reason, the media was kept warning us about oh, it's going to be a full strike. Everything's going to shut down. I'm like you know, didn't turn out that be the case. It's more of a gradual strike, though it did increase this uh, today. They yeah, did. Today. Uh, some more closures at Ford and at uh, GM, not Chrysler, uh, for some reason. 
and even though they said they kept saying that all week that f- they made some progress with Ford, so I don't know what's happening in this case here. But um, yeah, some more plans on, on both sides. And what, what I thought was interesting this week, and it was a very interesting note that prompted this article that I wrote uh, from uh, Morgan Stanley about how Tesla looms large over the UAW strike. So obviously Tesla is not directly involved. It doesn't employ any UAW uh, union workers. But because of that, it's sort of like the example of like, what, what can you do without UAW workers? And um, first of all, let me preface this, but I'm not anti-union in any way. Like the concept of a union of like co- um, collective bargaining power makes sense to me. I think like it's generally a good uh, idea, but like a lot of good ideas, people run with it and then uh, it's it, not true to its original nature <laughs> at times. And UAW is probably one of the worst examples, I think, of a, of a union. Like it has, I mean, you, I don't have enough fingers to count major uh, corruption scandal that ha- happened at, at that uh, union over the years. Now, it does have a new leadership, which actually most people say is the reason prompting this new massive wave of, um, of, of striking that's happening right now. But what's interesting is uh, Morgan Stanley did a comparison between this and the latest strike was uh, 2019 uh, with GM, with the UAW. And at that time, Tesla was not a – well, it was getting – starting as a somewhat of a big player, but it was not um, a profit machine that, that it is right now. So they didn't have that as an example. Now they have Tesla, an example, as the most valuable automaker in the world, the – uh, one with the highest gross margin in the world. And then they can compare that with the labor costs of the big tree in Detroit versus Tesla. And Tesla has lower labor costs. However, to be fair, the labor cost is not a giant percentage of the cost of the vehicles that the big three are, are producing right now. It's about between 5 and 8%, depending on the automaker. So it's significant, but not massive. Tesla is apparently around the same spot is just that you have to compare Tesla dif- differently because Tesla is much more vert- vert- vertically integrated uh, than those other automakers. So the fact that they have the same percentage makes Tesla still more efficient because Tesla produce more of their own vehicles than uh, the big tree, which have over the years um, relied increasingly on suppliers and they, 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 don't, they, they outsource a lot of their parts. Uh, but yeah, I, th- I thought it was interesting because obviously Elon couldn't stop himself of uh, commenting on the situation because the UAW, what they are asking in in general, like what, what is being reported a lot is a 40% pay raise and a four-day work week as well as uh, improve overtime and retirement benefits. And obviously the four-day work week works with the overtime because if you put a four-day work week, well, then it's going to make more overtimes available because the automakers cannot switch rapidly to a four-day like uh schedule without like ch- changing uh, their complete business so it's gonna boost that pay raise on top with the overtime it's that's kind of surprising they're asking for a four-day work week isn't it like like when did a four-day work week become you know in the u.s something? too like in europe i would be yeah. like of course they, they're asking for that but in the u.s has been historically like work 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 a lot more i feel like right a four-day work week seems kind of like it's a big push. It's a big push. I mean, and and I'm assuming they stay at eight hours a day. Like, but I think you know. I think it's the idea is is the overtime. Like the 
they're going to secure more overtime because now anything past 32 hours is going to be overtime. Oh, uh, okay. So they actually work. Yeah, I think at first, at the very least, at first, unless they they start to more efficiently implement it, at first, they're going to have to have just a ton of overtime, so they're going to make bank. Um, So Elon commented on that and said that these pay increase and four-day work week would would put all the automakers on a fast lane to bankruptcy, which I'm not completely uh, disputing that, to be honest. But the other thing that's important that people are not noting enough is that the electric vehicle transition is also a big part of the reason behind that strike. And that's the, they are asking for protection against uh, factory closure because of electric vehicle transition. And the reason behind that is that while we thought that the legacy automakers will quickly invest into converting their existing factories into electric vehicle producing factories and use the same workers or mostly for the most part, uh, they, it's not has been the case. They, they, have, they have had a tendency lately of building separate factories. Uh, Ford is a big one, obviously. New factories to produce electric vehicles because electric vehicles are produced differently and also because they require less labor to be produced because they are simpler to build. Uh, and, and that is also scaring UAW. So, so the concept of itself of building an electric vehicle is somewhat threatening to the union which is counterproductive to the goal of transitioning the industry. It's a weird situation. It's, uh, there's no clear way out of this right now. Obviously, I don't think they're going to get the 40% pay. Probably even going to have to give up the four-day work uh, week also. Uh, but obviously, you come into one of those situations like asking more than you actually want to. It's part of a negotiation tactic. I'm not, I don't think I'm surprising anyone here. But uh, what I thought was interesting with the Morgan Stanley note here is that uh, <laughs> Morgan Stanley actually believes that even if the UAW doesn't get anything, uh, it does, they, they don't see a path to the legacy automakers selling EVs in a high volume at a profit, which is wild. Now, one caveat to that is that Morgan Stanley has... Uh, a volume estimate that is much lower than uh, than the big three's management target for for EVs. A lot, uh, one third to one fourth lower than the uh, no no one third to one fourth of the targets of management. So a lot lower, uh, but it's kind of a safe bet for Morgan Stanley because in the past that's that has been true with the EV goals of these legacy automakers so um, it's it's kind of a wild guess that they're making uh, but uh, like you, you could read between the line of that uh, Adam Jonas post on automakers this week on the UA strike and how Tesla plays into it and basically it sounds like Tesla is uh gonna turn them into like niche automakers like ev automakers like it's they're not gonna be big juggernaut anymore if they survive it yeah i mean that's the way kind of things are pointing like tesla is almost doubling year over year they have no there's no signs of stopping and the union strangely like like you're going after the companies that are suffering the most or or you know that are shrinking and that are going to have a hard time keeping up like frankly if i was uh the UAW, which, you know, I have feelings, you know, pro and, and, and you know, anti-union, uh, I would be like doubling down on, you know, getting Tesla workers uh, unionized like that. That is where the money is at for yeah. the UAW. 
But they tried before and it didn't work too. They tried. It didn't work. Uh, They don't just, you know, when, when, but maybe they should try now. Uh, I, 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 when I say that, I say that from their perspective. I'm not necessarily yeah, thinking exactly. that uh, that it, sh- it would be a good thing for Tesla. So I'm not. I'm, but no, I'm saying from their be. perspective, they should probably try now because uh, the Tesla stock, like the, uh, the the big thing for um, Tesla workers, is that they all have access to stock options, and you literally have some production associates that have been working at Tesla for a long time that probably became millionaires off of that. Right. Um, so that is great. However, that was early on. Now the the big rise in Tesla stock is not there anymore. The stock has stabilized. It's still a, a big stock, but it's not. There's no there's no thousand percent anymore, and that is how you get a lot of money out of stock options. So it's less attractive. They they have uh, diminished some of the contribution uh, as of late because of the microeconomic situation. So maybe it would be uh, easier right now to do a unionization push. I'm not saying that it would be good. I'm just saying that it might be easier. But uh, yeah, and but to the defense of these of the automakers, like you, you say that they are going after the ones that are having the toughest time. The problem with that is like not on paper. On paper, they're having record profits right now. So the the unions want to go after the automakers right now because they say, hey, look at all the money you're making. You're making record profits. But if you look at where the profits come from, it's uh, it, it, it's coming from their ICE business. It's coming from selling parts for their ICE business. Well, when I say ICE, I mean the internal combustion engine. So it's not... It, it, it's not the future of the industry where they're making profit. So if you are on the, if you have a good understanding that the future is electric and they are struggling badly right now to make money off electric vehicles, you see that yeah they are making a lot of money right now, but that money is slowly and maybe even rapidly going away uh, over the next decade, and then they're gonna be screwed and they, they're gonna have these. Uh, union contracts with UAW that won't make sense with the economics at the time where they don't have that highly profitable uh, business of selling parts for their big fleet of, of gasoline vehicles. Yeah, it's it's kind of a really bad... Uh, uh, the fact that they're even, you know, giving 20% raises, I kind of feel like the union should take the money and run and, uh, you know, double down on Tesla. Yeah, they, they have offered 20%. Uh, yeah, they've already offered twenty percent raises, not uh, four day work weeks, but yeah. um, you know. Yeah, I mean that might be the the if they want a chance of keeping their job long term because the thing if if Ford and GM are not there anymore, UAW is not doesn't exist either, and UAW's numbers have been dwindling for years too already. Like it used to have like one point five million members, now it's like I don't even know if they have two hundred or three hundred thousand. I'm not sure. All right, moving on. The Tesla Semi traveled a thousand mile, over a thousand miles in a single day uh, of work. This is part of the um, what you call it, the North American Council for Freight Efficiency. They are doing this study. It just concluded yesterday, over eighteen days. We don't have the full result just yet, but we have the data. And for the second to last day, one of the three Tesla Semi that's part of the Pepsi fleet that is uh, participating in that study. Uh, the number three, the Tesla Semi number three, traveled a thousand and seventy-six mile in a single day, uh, which is pretty awesome. I don't know why they say like total miles and then average miles per day, and it's the same because it's it's not like that. That truck has traveled anything from zero mile in because well, the one day that it actually didn't travel up to 
now that was the record at over a thousand miles um you can even see the data of like the battery charge versus the speed so it was mostly driving at that iowe speed at 60 miles per hour uh, but uh, here you can see the charge too so it stopped uh twice for a full charge and twice for like a half charge uh, and a lot of people say, ah, we don't know if they was carrying a load on everything. We don't know exactly the load, but in the study, um, the, the, the agency said that uh, on average, they were uh, over 70,000 pounds, which is less than 10,000, well, within 10,000 pounds of a full load. But they were carrying tens of thousands of pounds, basically. I thought it was interesting because I remember when, when, I, when I read that, uh, I saw the... the 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 update on the website that said that uh, one of the Tesla semis had traveled over a thousand miles. I remembered just a few weeks ago. I read that uh, Michael Loschler, the Nikola Motors. I don't I don't even know if he's still the CEO. Like Nikola Motors has changed CEO so much in the last year that I, I don't even know if, it, if if he's the current one. But I, he he was earlier this month, <laughs> and he said that uh, the new hydrogen fuel cell truck of Nikola travel over uh, 900 miles in a single day. And then he had the balls to say, I defy anyone to find another zero emission vehicle truck anywhere that can run up to 900 miles in a day. Well, Michael, I, I found one, the Tesla Semi. Yeah. And actually with independent study, they, they, were, they were able to confirm uh, over over a thousand miles, over a hundred miles over your goal. So I don't know, do I win anything from your... I didn't even know that defy is like that, that's your challenge. Is that yeah. what, it, what it means? Yeah, and I don't know. I like it's hard to take Nicholas serious about anything right now. Yeah, those nine hundred miles where they downhill all the time. Like you have to ask. You really, really have to ask them. That's long. That's long downhill. Yeah. Um. All right. This thing is actually happening. Said the uh, the Tesla. Uh, the, the Tesla drive-in dinner theater and supercharger location in Hollywood, it's happening. So this project, if you are not familiar with it, has been in the works since 2018. Elon announced it and he announced it and everyone was like, all right, are you? is it one of your real projects or is this just like something you see on Twitter? Uh, it was real. They, they tried to do it at first in Santa Monica, but it didn't work out for permitting reason and everything. They ended up just building a supercharger there. Then they moved it down the road uh, on Santa Monica Boulevard, but in, but in Hollywood. So just a few miles away. And... Uh, they plan. To, I, I I don't know what they're doing here exactly. If this is just like a one-off, like or if it's like a see how it goes, and maybe this is something that we can replicate other places. But the goal is a, a big supercharger station. So, so the original plan said twenty-nine, but I, I was looking at the newer plans, and it looks like it might be thirty-two uh, stalls and then for the newer plan. And then you have this circular-looking. Um, diner on, on two stories. Well, the, the upper story is mostly a, a terrace, like a, a patio, and you have a covered area. And it's a, it's a retro-style diner with two giant movie screens. So they're going to show movie scenes or full movies, I'm not sure. And you can park, charge your car, go grab a burger or whatever in the diner. And uh, by the time you're done to eat, you, you can leave. So... I don't know. I, don't, I I'm not sure what the goal is here. It might be just a one-off, or it might be Tesla testing 
a concept to literally get into the restaurant business. Uh, we know that Kimball Musk, Elon's brother, who also sits right. on the uh, on the board of Tesla, is in the restaurant business. He has his own chain of restaurant uh, whose name I'm. Ah, oh, geez, I knew the name of that of, like of the chain. Country right? Natural something. Nah, it was a, it's a sharp name, like really simple. I forget it, uh, but um, and he, I think he sits also on the board of Chipotle, I, I, I think, or one one of the big uh, restaurant chain. So he's deep into the restaurant business. So maybe he could uh, help Tesla launch this new division of uh, uh, literally a restaurant division. Obviously, the idea behind it is creating enemies for the supercharger network. For the most part, Tesla tries to deploy the supercharger, the super, especially the supercharger for longer distances. So like be, between cities, be, on roads that are highly traveled, they try to uh, put it someplace where there's going to have as much as enemies as possible. So I'll, I'll, like a few restaurant option at a truck stop or something like that, it is enjoyable for people while they wait for the car to charge. Now, it's not always the case. Sometimes it's just they, they don't have a great spot for it. So maybe this would be a solution where when we don't have uh, enough animities, but we have a great location, like maybe we do our own animities and we do one of these. Uh, in Europe, Tesla has tried other things. They partner with a company that have like an automated um, lounge area where there's machine that you can like do your own pizza and, and, and things like that. Uh, we have one here actually at Roulet uh, Electric in, in Trois Rivières that has its own. <clears throat> Sorry, <coughs> I've been to that one. It's got a bunch of stuff. Uh, the one in Europe actually had a swimming pool for a little while during that uh, heat heat yeah. wave. I think I might have been another one in Europe that had a swimming pool, but. Yeah, the one you went to, though, has changed a lot since you went. It was a few years that you came. Now they have one of those automated pizza machine there, too. Uh, mm-hmm. that you can uh, uh, they, they make the, the pizza automatically as a, with a robot. By the way, Fred, uh, kind of late, late breaking news, but uh, it looks like uh, StreamYard is now putting us in Twitter as a whatever. Uh, a space? Twitter, a space, I think. It, does, it kind of looks like a space. With, with a video or no, just the audio? No, no video. Okay. But it says we're hosting a thing. Uh, are there know. people in the space right now that are? Yeah. yeah. Like, uh, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, the video is there. But uh, people, uh, the space is also like you can like bring people in to have them talk to at the same time. So we, could, we, we would be able to take calls eventually, like take people like to talk to people through the, the space live on the podcast. I guess. I'm not sure. That would be interesting. It doesn't, it doesn't look like exactly like a space that I've seen. Anyway. Are you logged in right now as electric? Or are you logged no, in I'm your... logged in as... Uh, yeah. Okay. So if you were logged in on electric, maybe you would be able to control the space. I don't know. Let me see. All right. Let me move on in the meantime. Um, so, like I said, the, uh, the Tesla Gigafactory Texas was uh, shut down for a while, but it reopened this week with employees coming back in. And as soon as the employees came back in, something else came out of the factory and this this new cyber truck and um we get some insider information from um from joe techmeyer uh who's fly drones there almost daily and often talks to employees and he says he got some inside information that says that those are, are master candidates so not just release candidates they are master candidates and he posted a, a video of them and uh, they look 
They look pretty refined. They look very good. It's definitely the best looking Cybertruck prototypes that we've seen to date. Uh, looks very finished, very polished. There is this still massive windshield wiper, obviously. The uh, the seats are also covered in plastic, so it looks like it might be like like something that's ready for delivery, basically. Um, there was two of them. There was this one, and there was the other one at the supercharger station here. Uh, they, they look sharp. It looked like the, the trims, the, f- the finish on it are, are sharper. Obviously, it's a drone video, so we don't have like close-off shop. I saw this already saying... Uh, when these things came out, they says the new Cybertruck comes out with perfect fit and finish. I'm like, okay, can you tell that from a drone shot that's insane? But uh, they do look, to be fair, they do look more refined. You know, it's kind of interesting. Uh, we've said this before, uh, that dashboard is crazy. Yeah. Uh, I just wonder, like, you could probably fit a full, like, rooftop solar panel. You can see, like, the solar panels <laughs> above it. Uh, you could see that that would almost fit on there. I wonder if that's like a full be a like four hundred and twenty watt panels. Yeah, fitting in there, it is massive. Like look, there's people in the the, the truck in this picture here, and uh, they this looks like you could fit a full human being like laying down there easy. Obviously yeah, not in in uh, thickness because yeah. <laughs> the 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 crush between the windshield and uh, and the dash. But it is weird looking from. I don't know how weird it would be. Um, like we haven't been in a cyber truck in a while, so we don't remember. But if when you're sitting in it, if it looks as big, like obviously this angle from the sky makes it looks giant. Yeah, I don't know. Well, it definitely looks more refined, and I guess the ceiling is going to be black, or the the roof is going to be black. I think that's also like the light lighting situation oh. makes it looks like darker uh, in certain angles. I don't know. And sticking with the Cybertruck, we have uh, kind of a cool indication that the launch might be very imminent. Um, some some Tesla employees on, on, on uh, the forum, the Cybertruck forum, posted new launch apparel, the so launch team apparel for the Cybertruck. Tesla distributed them to employees apparently this week. If it starts hanging out launch apparel for the Cybertruck this week, you might expect that the launch is within the next few weeks. Or at the very least, we get a launch announcement in, in the next few weeks. And I would expect even the next few days. I wouldn't be surprised if like this weekend or early next week, Tesla starts sending out invites for the for the launch event for the Cybertruck, especially since like already already sold uh, well with Tesla credit, but sold the invites to the to the event. Uh, I haven't yet to announce the actual date. That Cybertruck uh, stitching is a little bit hard to read. Yeah, yeah, I mean, the, the, it I was like uh, one, of, one of the trademarks that they did originally when they unveiled it back in 2019. I remember it was the first one. For a while, we thought that's, that's maybe how they're going to spell it. But it looks like they're sticking with it to a degree. Um, yeah, the kitchen. So it's just called the Kitchen Kimball Mask. Uh, thanks, uh, Ian and Doug, for, for letting us know. The, the kitchen restaurant. Uh, there's one uh, the, I think one in Boulder that's the first one, but I think now it's in the south too. I think they have uh, like in Tennessee. And there's one in Chicago, I believe, as well. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. All right, we're gonna have a few more items to discuss, but we can do a quick read about uh, Test Test Camp. Uh, I think yeah, they so sent test- you a few products to check out. Yeah, so Test Camp sent us out a uh, refrigerator. Uh, it's called the Tesla Fridge. Uh, it fits in a Model Y. It fits in the back seat uh, between the two. Uh, uh, front seats right underneath the vents. Um, if, uh, if you scroll down, you can kind of see the Tesla this Model one? Y fridge there. Yep. Um, okay. You got to click on it. Oh. 
Uh, it's at the top too. Um, anyway, uh, it's nice. Uh, you put a six pack in there, bunch of water bottles, just nice to have. Um, you don't have here. to leave it on. Um, and yeah, it doesn't take up too much power. Uh, you know, I've dri- driven around with it for a few days. Didn't really notice any, uh, you know, power drain. It plugs into your lighter adapter. It kind of just wraps around. Um, so yeah, nice little product there. And then of course, uh, we've seen before, uh, Tesla, uh, campers, uh, like to have a, a camping option. So, um, instead of, so we, we've covered a couple of these, uh, mattresses in the past. This one's a little bit nicer, I would say. Um, it's, it's basically two sides. So if you're, uh, you have a companion, uh, 325 bucks, you get a like a nice cushy mattress comes in a nice pack that fits in the front or the, you know, in the back underneath the, the seats is just kind of nice to have around. You can get stuck somewhere, just, you know, start camping. Um, yeah. So two nice products, company called test camp, check them out. Uh, uh, we have a link in the show notes. I think it's a small, like $5 off uh, coupon as well. So check it out. Yep. Thanks Descam for sponsoring this week's episode of the electric podcast. By the way, if you do enjoy the podcast, um, and I hope you do, we, um, podcast has been doing great. Uh, we are consistently in the top 10 automotive podcasts in the U.S., dude, which I think is a nice accomplishment for our, our, our scrappy little team here uh, that just cover electric vehicles, basically. So if you do enjoy the show, you want to help us uh, grow, uh, if you can give us like a five-star rating on your podcast app, whether it's Apple Podcasts or Spotify, that helps the show a ton. It's free to do. takes a second. We've got a few great reviews recently. Appreciate every single one of you that did one. Also on YouTube, we're always live on YouTube. Click the like button right now. Click the uh, share button. Click the click all the buttons, really. Uh, and that helps the show a lot, uh, engagement and whatnot. And we are on all the other apps, too, if you're watching us on Facebook. On all, apparently, we're on Space on Twitter. Or I should say X. Um, so if you can click a like on that and everything, it takes a second to do. Appreciate every single one of you that do it. All right. Uh, also, we uh, have a few more news items to discuss, but then we're going to jump into the comment section. So, yeah, we, 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 have, uh, we are live and we have a bunch of people watching live. If you have a question for us or if you have um, uh, any, uh, any subject you want us to discuss, go ahead and uh, we, uh, we're going we're gonna to get to it in about 10 minutes. I'm going to go real quick and be right back. I'm going to let Seth talk about the EV9. I'll be right back. All right. Fred's going to pick up an uh, iPad, I think. All right, so uh, Kia announced their pricing on the EV9 uh, electric SUV, which I think is going to be very popular. Uh, the EV9 is a kind of Rivian model, sorry, Rivian R1S sized, uh, big, uh, it kind of looks like it could go off-road, but, you know, maybe not with the, the base trim. Uh, Seven-seater, so it's got a third row, and um, it's kind of like a real SUV, not like a, a CUV that we've kind of seen, Model Y type stuff. Um, so this is a bigger one, um, and the price at fifty four thousand nine hundred, uh, according to Kia, is a wake up call to the industry. Um, yeah, I don't think Rivian's coming down to this price. I don't know that uh, the the Jeep uh, Scout thing is going to be this this inexpensive. The problem is is these are built in Korea, so um, there's no tax credit. Um, so you know a Rivian that. For instance, my R1S costs around seventy thousand. Uh, then after the tax credit, it's down to sixty, and it's got way more range. Uh, this this base price um, 
uh, EV9, the base price is, or sorry, the base range, I believe is like 220 something miles, uh, 230 miles. So you're not getting a ton of range in, in for your money there. Um, obviously 220 miles is great for some people, but, um, the, you know, you're going to have to pay a little bit more if you want to get close to 300 miles of range. Um, and again, that tax credit isn't probably going to come until uh, Kia makes these in the U.S., which uh, we think will be in a, a year or two. Uh, so that look forward to that and, and maybe some price cuts there or at least some uh, tax credits. Yeah, and that's the, the thing that's sad about it. Like even if the price is good, some people won't buy it just because they feel like they're leaving money on the table with the, without the um, incentive. Oh yeah, uh, and, and the EX90 is kind of another competitor there, although that's not built in the US either. The Volvo. Yeah. There's always the leasing if they lease it. Uh, but I don't, I don't normally they don't launch it, they don't launch the lease option at launch. Maybe they will in, in this case because of that. Or oh, do we have the pricing for the 300 miles version? I don't know that they announced that yet. I'm I feel like looking. they announced it in other geos, and we kind of extrapolated that it was going to be a little bit more. Yeah, well, eighty thousand. Oh, that's the EV. No, 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 yeah, that's not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It should be closer to probably like sixty-five, seventy, something like that. All right, uh, moving on. Nordvolt at the big announcement this week. If you're not familiar with Nordvolt, uh, they are bigger in Europe. They have a few factories already in Sweden uh, and uh, one in Germany. Though I don't think the German one is in production just yet. But they are building it out, and they are uh, one of the earliest players in the in the, the new wave of battery startup that that came on. And they, it was founded by two of the early executives behind uh, Gigafactory Nevada. So they were working for Tesla and working closely with Panasonic to set up production of the battery cells for Tesla by Panasonic in Nevada. And they uh, they left Tesla. I think I don't remember exactly when. But quite early on, and they were like, hey, I think we could replicate that success of Gigafactory Nevada uh, in, uh, in other places by building other Gigafactories. Uh, and they started Nordvolt, and they did, uh, they did that in Sweden. And now they are coming to North America with an announcement that uh, a new massive 60 gigawatt hour factory that's uh, going to be on the south shore of Montreal between... Um, if you know the region between St. Basil de la Grande and McMasterville on the 116 highway there. It's actually where exactly where I grew up. <laughs> and uh, uh, you, if you're familiar with the place here, that's going to be the, the view now from the 116 highway with the Mont Saint-Slag in the back. You're going to have this giant facility uh, from Nordvolt that's going to employ over 3,000 people, apparently. Um, it's going to be a $5 billion U.S. factory, $7 billion Canadian now, the craziest part of them all, I'm not, I'm not even sure exactly how it's going to work. They are getting, it sounds almost like they're getting more money from the government than the, the, the thing's going to cost. The, um, the Quebec government announced $2.9 billion in incentive for the factory. And the federal government announced $4.4 billion. That's Canadian money, by the way. So it's pretty wild. But it, it's going to be a giant factory. We don't know exactly where the cells are going to go yet, but Nordvolt already has a giant list of clients from Volkswagen to, to BMW to, uh, I mean, a very deep client list. So I'm sure they're going to have a lot of, uh, of people lined up to buy those cells, especially for the North American market now because of those increasing every year requirements for 
the tax credit that the, the cells or at least components of the batteries uh, in majority comes from North America or countries that have uh, free trade agreements with the U.S. Speaking of factories, Lucid also unveiled its latest factory and um, it's at a place that is completely new for an EV factory, uh, Saudi Arabia. So if you uh, didn't know, Lucid took a giant investment from uh, the Saudi, uh, uh, what do you call it, the PIF? Like the, the fund? Yeah, the, the, I only know, knew it by its uh, acronym, PIF, but it's the big fund that uh, is backed by Saudi Arabia and uh, all that petrol money right there. And I think they own now a majority of the stocks, even though Lucid is still like yeah, 60% I think, or something. Yeah, I think uh, I think Piff owns most of it. And as part of that investment, it came with, hey, you're going to build your next factory in Saudi Arabia. I didn't think it was going to come that fast, but they unveiled it this week. It's there. And uh, the first phase is only about like 14 cars a day, so nothing crazy. But uh, Lucid right now with the current vehicles that they produce with the air, it's not high-volume vehicles anyway. But the whole factory at one point is expected to be able to produce 5,000 vehicles per year, which is somewhat significant, especially for the region. Um now, the, the country itself has ordered like 100,000 Lucid. So it would take a few years to produce them from there. Uh, we'll see. I, th- I think it's an interesting move. Obviously, like some human rights issues in Saudi Arabia. I don't think it's, it's a big surprise to anyone. So it's a, it's a, a risky horse in some way to attach your, your wagon to. And we talked about it, said and I, in, uh, in Germany. And you, you had a point where you said that uh, uh, the Saudis are big on like showering people with money but when the investment doesn't work they're they're quick to cut the the hose too and then uh but uh, my my counter argument to that was like at least with this factory it kind of solidified the investment where yep. saudi arabia has an issue of like transitioning to other industry than, than petrol now as the as the world transition to renewable energy uh they they uh, they've been aware of that at least, and they are trying to make their best. And like this is one of the first example of like, all right, let's try something new. Let's try to build electric vehicles there. Let's try to attract other companies to build electric vehicles there. And um, and they need this project, the first one, to work in order for for that transition to to work. And uh, now with Lucid being invested in them, they are, if it doesn't work, like they're gonna probably. Go, I mean that by the fact that if you look at the Lucid's financials statesman lately, it looks like it's in the fast lane to bankruptcy. Uh, but with, uh, fast lane to bankruptcy without further investments. That's what I mean. Um, and now it's sort of guarantee them further investments. Like if they need to go back to the well, they can, uh, I would think. All right. Yeah, should I, we get into the questions? Do we have a few questions? Yep. I think so. All right, starting with Mr. Turkeyneck, uh, what effect will the UAW strike have on the sales of non-unionized EV manufacturers? I think we got to that after the question was asked, but um, I think, you know, it, the sales uh, aren't super strong anyway, so maybe if the strike is slow, maybe yeah. it's, it, they'll catch up. Hopefully it's not too big. But to be fair, there's more non-unionized evs than tesla so it might help those two um yeah basically it's just chevy and ford because stellantis doesn't make many you know evs at all yeah so uh only chevy and ford are really effective negatively but 
uh, also to, to like if I, I would assume that the question stems from the fact that oh like the strike is gonna um, stop the production of some uh, uh, of some of these union made EVs. Uh, the truth is right now it doesn't have a huge impact. Um, they haven't targeted the plants that are producing EVs. Also, like Ford, most of their EVs right now they come from uh, Mexico, so that's already right. out of the uh, UAW touch. And uh, I don't. I, I don't think say they most. Have... I think they sell more F one. No, F one fifties. Yeah, are less than Machi. So, yeah, and, and I, I don't think they have uh, they, they've strike at the plant that is making lightning just yet. I, I think right. unless unless they did today, because I know they announced the new factories from for today. I didn't check which vehicles they're producing from there. All right, what's your call on uh, deliveries this quarter? Uh, consensus is around four forty, four fifty. The, the Wall Street consensus is four sixty. 462 mm-hmm. to be a thousand to be uh, precise. Uh, I, I think lower than that. I, I, if Tesla can deliver like over 450,000 vehicles this quarter, I think that would be good. Uh, now, it wouldn't be good for their stock apparently if the Wall Street expect 460, but I, I think it would be a good quarter within the uh, current situation with factoring and the factory shutdown and all that. And what do you think the uh, whisper number is? Like what? what is... What are what is the market kind of expecting behind the scenes? Like, the well, like I market. said, I think the the four hundred sixty two thousand is uh, too high. I think uh, I don't know what's happening with that. Uh, I would be surprised if that's really what they are expecting. Um, okay, I, I think, like I said, closer to four fifty would make sense. All right. Uh, does the Highland Model Three have the large air filter with bioweapon defense mode? Uh, we, did we ask about that? I feel like we asked somebody in germany about that one yeah i think it has a bigger air filter i don't know if it's big enough to have uh, the hepa certified yeah the front was all realigned and the actual storage place looked like the same size so i i would say so i would say it's likely it would Um, be it it would make sense because tesla has doubled down on that feature uh, lately like the yeah especially with hair quality being a problem in many cities around the world or and not just cities now with all these forest fire and whatnot like there's a lot of places yeah. that it's a lifesaver really so good feature Adam to ask the question is there any chance Tesla poised to unionize in the near future I can imagine Musk push, pushing back <laughs> on this back hard on this <laughs> not yes, hard to imagine the, yeah it's not hard you don't have to imagine he's done yeah. it in the past so, yeah uh, I mean I'm he's sure. been sued for it in the past before doing it illegally yeah. um yeah I mean there is a push right now in New York uh, for the uh, autopilot, uh, the, the data labelers. Uh, I haven't heard about that in a little bit. I don't know how this is going. Uh, for the most part, like I, I know that Tesla has this year. I've heard from sources that uh, they are not giving any uh, performance-based bonuses this year for non for salaried employees, so not for hourly workers. So that I guess helps a little bit. Uh, on that on that front, where at least the the, the hourly workers, which are originally the one being unionized, are not um, are, are still going to get their performance base, but not the the higher ups, not the people that are paid by the year. So, so yeah, I, I, I and Elon's approach always been like yeah, but even though that's why actually he was sued for saying for insinuating that if you do get unionized, you don't get stock stock option, which I. I, I don't remember if he was actually. I think I think that he, he was actually fine for that, or the, the, the company was fine, or whatever. Because 
you can't you, that's a threat basically yeah um does it make sense? I don't know if it makes sense to like, is it a, a mutually exclusive where are you, you need to, you're in the union or you're part owner of the factory. You cannot be both of the company. You cannot be both like that. I don't, I don't know if that's clear. Oh yeah. it's a good point. Yeah. All right. Carl San Diego. I would say there are signs of stopping. We're talking about the demand with Tesla. It's the first year they had to struggle to create demand. They're dependent on production and already over capacity. Uh, I mean, they, they had to like lower prices a little bit. There's still quite a bit of margin to, to go through. They could probably lower prices again. Uh, if there is more demand issues, um, I think with the Model 3 coming, uh, that'll be in pretty good shape. The demand actually had to be created for the Model S and X mostly. So I don't well, know. Model 3 and Y also got down yeah, they, in prices a lot. Yeah, um, yeah I mean... Obviously, uh, I'm beating a dead horse here, but the, the macroeconomic situation is definitely the biggest uh, contributor to, to this uh, reduction in, in demand. Because when the price come down, they sell. So it's not like it's not an issue with the product. It's not an issue with EV demand. The same same thing is happening with non EVs too. Like it's hard to sell a car right now because the monthly payments are so high. Like mm -hmm. everyone I talk to nowadays, like that, that are thinking about buying cars, or people that can afford to buy it outright, or the, yeah. the even I've heard people talking about uh, going into the retirement fund and like I prefer to get some of that money out and pay the car outright because I need a car than paying those crazy interest rate. Like so, it, it, it's it's a harder discussion right now to buy a new car than it normally is when you can just grab a uh, a loan with a few percentage points of, of interest and doesn't yeah. kill you on your monthly payment. So, but then the, so the only solution to that is like Tesla has to slash prices so that, that those monthly payments or, 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 or compensate the, the, the price cut compensate for the interest rate, or it's easier for people to buy the car. Right. Yeah. Uh, because when the price point is there, Tesla sells that has been, very clear so i don't think there's a very big problem with demand right now model three islands should help a little bit too just for like the new uh, people a lot of people just like to have the new toy from tesla so that like you know, tesla is like at least a core like membership of like 100 or 200,000 people that just always have the newest tesla right just like apple with the, the iphone did you get your ipad by the way yeah, I just got it. <laughs> All right. Uh, Colin Sandigo, has ever, Elon ever seen a drive-in, how a drive-in theater works? Um, apparently, the architect didn't understand the draft assignment. Draft assignment? Well, first uh, of all, the picture that I showed is a render from an other architect, like a, a rendering, um, an architectural modeler that's not affiliated with Tesla. However, he did the renders based on the original plan that that were, were published uh carl are, are you some kind of like restaurant designer here are we really like are really like criticizing the architectural plan for a diner it looked fine um, to me uh yeah i mean look given cool. this given the space uh constraints i mean clearly like it's not a drive-in movie theater like yeah. uh you're not gonna have that kind of situation but yeah i guess uh we talked about uh kimball's thing called the kitchen restaurant yeah. group uh, Hedgerow, American Bistro, and the Kitchen Bistro. Uh, still too much focus on making 
DC fast charging entertaining, terrible business model, and just a weird thing for so-called sustainable transportation to focus on. In a way, I kind of understand that as uh, DC fast charging is getting quicker and quicker. It's hard to even just like run in, go to the bathroom, grab a bite to eat, you know, like grab some food and, and get out and your car's already charged. So I don't, yeah, I don't know about the the DC fast charging entertaining, you know, the lounge model. Especially but to be with- fair, this one is like in town. Like it's, it's not, it's not a spot necessarily where uh, having lived close to there, it's not like, all right, you're going from like San Diego to San Francisco and like, let's stop there. Uh, on our way, on our way up, like you, you need like it's it's quite of a detour off the highway to to mm-hmm. get there. So I, I think this might be more maybe a situation for like uh, EV owners that live in the city doesn't have like a little, there's a parking problem in in Los Angeles where like there's a lot of the people that have street parking now, uh, mm-hmm. and if you want to have an EV, you have to have a place to go charge like regularly, and that could be one like the uh, uh, you. With the kind of range that cars are getting these days, like if you're not driving that much, if you're just like driving to work or something, your your, your charge can last you a week. So maybe on Friday night you uh, you have a little uh, you 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 come back to the the Tesla diner and you charge your car for the week and have a burger and then uh, and then go home and park park your car for the week at home like something like that. Yeah. So the, the Tesla street. diner, you would spend what half hour, forty five minutes there. Yeah. Maybe you make these. Not as fast too, for that reason. Like you don't like you want yeah, you, you want the two hundred and fifty like kilowatt charger. You want them on on the highways where right. You yeah, that makes sense. These are more like uh, the urban seventy to one hundred. There's no one size fit all for charging. There's right. no, there's going to be different solutions. All right, Doug Grinberg's founded in 2004 by Hugo Matheson and Kimbo Moss. The Kitchen Restaurant Group is based in Boulder, Colorado. Yeah. All yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Bear in mind, charging your car at the Hollywood Supercharger only secures your stall for the brief time that you're actually charging, as always. So you'd have to park elsewhere to hang out. Yeah, so that's kind of along the same lines about yeah. charging. Uh, this is their fifth vehicle launch. Why Cybertruck launch feels like less professional effort than a startup. Carl in San Diego. Just, uh, yeah, he's, he's being a downer today, Carl. Yeah, come on. <laughs> We don't I, know I do, yet. I, I do mean, understand where he's coming from, though, because it is super weird that this car was unveiled in 2019. We're now four years later, weeks away from the first deliveries, and we still don't have specs and pricing. So if you're familiar is, with how other people, other manufacturer launches their car, it is uh, weird. So I don't, right. I don't know about professional, but... Um, yeah, I mean, I, th- I think Tesla is almost more like technology. Com- no, even though I'm going to destroy my own argument by saying that because it, they are certainly more professional. But when, when Apple launched a product, normally it's like they unveil the product, they launch it, and like, ah, it's coming out next week. Like, you, you, you're going to have it next week. I feel like Tesla is like looking more to that. Like, you get the information when it's available right there. I think that's what they were trying to do. But at the same time, yeah, it is... It, like you're not buying a fifteen hundred dollar phone. You're buying a probably a seventy thousand dollar truck. Is that your guess on on base I, price? Or? I think the first one that's going to be around that price. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, Polestar is also now a thing in Nordic countries. I think they've been. Apologies, you already mentioned before. Yeah, I think we knew about that. Uh, where you grew up? Uh, that's right. the battery in Saint Basel. In Saint Basel, that's right next to the new factory. Maybe you know. Maybe you get some insights. So uh, I guess like what what's 
What's well, so I'm exciting about that? I have a meeting at the place where I used to play hockey all the time, like the local arena in, in Saint okay. Basil. They're gonna have a meeting there uh, next week, so I'm gonna try to go and uh, right. learn about the the plans for the factory and whatnot. Maybe shoot some goals while you're there. All right, Eric Williams. Any idea what, when Highland Model Three starts productions deliveries in the USA? No, nope. uh, we haven't had the. Um... Roll of twenty says predictions are next year. But we might know better. I think we've heard similar, but yeah, I not, mean, nothing solid. I don't, I don't, we haven't heard of like a factory shutdown in Fremont or anything like that, too. So I think we kind of you kind of need that to happen for 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 that. Uh, and the Model Three on the configurator in the U.S. and and is still is still the old one. Uh, we know that Shanghai right now is in production, but Shanghai doesn't deliver it in the U.S. for uh, import reasons and access to the tax credit and whatnot. So you might, uh, I, I would think that next year too. Yeah. Uh, Turkey Neck says gas has exceeded $8 a gallon in SoCal. I didn't know about that. This will convert thousands more regardless of Elon hatred. I see more and more Teslas and EVs every day. Yeah, it's it's weird the, the dichotomy between like driving around California or even, you know, Westchester, New York, there's tons of EVs. And then I go to, you know, like Ohio and you like you don't just, they're just not there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my mom's still like with her bolt. Uh, people stop her on the road saying like, what do you know? Like, what's that like? Some, <laughs> like, It's like going back five years. Uh, it is or like, 10 years, but it, you know, it, it's like that. It's that, that with everything, fashion, food, everything. <laughs> yeah. Right. But uh, no, but uh, Turkey neck <laughs> as a, as a good point, because historically there has been a strong link between gas prices and interest in electric vehicles. Like every time there's been a, a spike in, in gas prices, you've seen a spike in EV demand. And a lot of people that didn't think they would want an EV, uh, started wanting an EV. Like it's, just, it's, it's it works very well. It's one of those few things that uh, are, have been pretty consistent in, in tracking EV demands that has been increases in gas prices. Yep. All right. Uh Tesla really needs an LFP standard range Model Y since the 4680 version is gone. Plus, I'd rather have LFP 100% charging for the win. Uh, I mean, it, we don't even know why the uh, the Texas Model Ys have stopped coming out. Yeah. But... Uh, yeah, it's one of those mysteries. But I, I agree that, uh, that, I mean, for a long time, Tesla resisted doing a, a standard range Model Y. Uh, they did it briefly, and then... Um, Model Y takes this with the 4680 cells, sort of replace that as not a standard range, but as like a mid-range version. Um, I think there would be demand for a cheaper, shorter range LFP. Obviously, like it would be like closer to 200 miles range, but I think it still would still be a viable vehicle for other people. All right, we have a correction. Uh, Ian Smith says Cybertruck is actually the sixth vehicle launch. Uh, someone for the, the OG Roadster. The, the Roadster, yeah. yeah. Now the Roadster right. counts. The Roadster had an impact. It wasn't a Tesla design and build vehicle from the ground up. Like it was, it was kind of a Frankenstein vehicle, yeah. really. Uh, I, I kind of consider the Model S to be the first like real Tesla vehicle. Um, but uh, yeah, you, you should still count it because it, it did have major impact in uh in, in, in the EV revolution. All right, last question, and then we're going to go. 
Any prediction about the Cybertruck float like a boat? Elon tweeted about it that on September 29th, 2022, and they could be doing that right now in New York City. Go, what's happening in New York City? It's floating. It's flo- Everything's flooded. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, it's been a, a hurricane or no? Just uh, no. what climate change? <laughs> it's sinking into the Hudson River. Yeah. Um, that's one of the thing like that I hate. Like uh, there's some of these like big Tesla X account that keep posting video of Tesla vehicles like driving into water, and you're like, this is incredible. A Tesla vehicle drives in water and everything. Like everyone should do that. Read your Tesla warranty. You're not supposed to do that. And like it, it looks good on video for a second, but the video doesn't show after that the Tesla service visit where they're like, right. hey, your motor is screwed up, your battery is screwed up, or whatever. Like sometimes it works out fine, sometimes it doesn't. So don't do that. Respect your warranty because Tesla will force it on you if something happens and you're going to have to pay big money to have things replaced. So keep that in mind. Now, the Cybertruck, I know Elon said that, but Elon says things and then <laughs> Tesla writes things in their warranties that are not the same as Elon says sometimes. So I will wait until I see in on paper from Tesla that uh, you can take your Cybertruck and use it to cross a river uh, and they won't void the warranty. Then I'll believe it. Before that, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with uh, probably not uh, cyber boat, uh, cyber truck boat, whatever you want to call it. All right, well that's that's gonna be it for us this week. I appreciate every single one of you that listened to the show to the very end. You're a real electric fan, a real EV enthusiast, and uh, we're gonna see you same time, same place next week. Have a great weekend. Bye bye.